This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the six minutes of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troidini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast, joining us this time round, Kenny Jackets. Hello, Kenny. How are you? Yeah, great. Uh, yourselves? Very good, mate. Very, very good. Yeah. We are very, we are very, very good indeed. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, That's a pleasure. the word the, the word legend is bandied around, and we won't have any of that. But today we will be using it frequently. Where to start? We always kind of start this with trying to find out how people fell in love with the game, first and foremost, because yeah. let's face it, you've been a football man through and through, but that 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 genuine spark, how did you get into the game? I think you joined the club around 12. You know, wh- which local clubs did you play for, etc.? Yeah, my dad was a professional footballer. Yeah. And my older brother was a, a very, very, very good sort of semi-pro player as well. So I was brought up in a football household, really. And, and um, you know, Watford was my local club. Grew, grew up on the Hollywell Estate and could, you know, see the floodlights from my back garden. So there's a there's a lot of links there. But, but yeah, my, my dad was sort of, you know, a big, big football man, been a, been a footballer, big football fan. And, and you know, we'd go, we'd go and watch Watford a lot because obviously it was our, our local side. But then into my late teens, as I, as I started trying to aspire to being a professional myself, He'd take me around to watch all different games, particularly you know, particularly in London, and maybe just pick out individual players that uh, were in my position and and you oh. know just watch them maybe at Spurs or Arsenal, Queens Park Rangers, you know, sort of any of those. But but mainly it was Watford, if I'm if I'm honest, because you know that was our local club and we went we did go on a regular basis. But uh, but but yeah, that's that's where it started. Anyway, grew up in a in a in a football household, and and, and I'm pleased to say football's been very very good to me. And quite right too. And your your dad Frank, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Frank, is, yeah, is, yeah. He he played for Watford between. He played for Watford in the early fifties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That that's a that's the thing. Most of us would just be happy being interviewed, just saying, <laughs> "Yeah, my dad played for football." Kind of the time, though. To be fair, he, he did. He went a few places, but he ended up sort of coming out of football and and getting a job in the print. 
and at, in, in Watford again in the Sun Printers down Whippingdale Road. Oh yeah. And as ever, he made he made more money sort of outside of football at that time than you would in it, you know, because yeah, yes, that was the sort of choices that he had really. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, big big football man, definitely. Yeah. And when when Watford was absolutely renowned for the for the print industry in terms of uh, yeah, right, of, of everything. Yeah. So when you joined the club, which I think was around kind of twelve thirteen something like that. Yeah, there was two Obviously, people. There was a guy called uh, Dave Butler, and then Tom Wally who, um, you know, were sort of instrumental at that time of just speaking to, you know, a, a few local people. I was playing for a club called Bushy Rangers. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Yeah. And probably then at maybe 14, I joined a club called Bourne Hall, which were you know, a little bit wider scope at that time, really. But uh, anyway, yeah, I was invited by Dave and then Tom to sort of come in and, and, and start training. That's uh, around, you know, 12 years old, yeah. Now, silly question, but was that Dave Butler who went on to do the physio work? Yeah, uh, yeah, Dave was a physio uh, at that particular time as well, but but actually, funny yeah. enough, just lived in Bushy and kept in touch with some guys that run the local clubs. That's that's just the way it worked, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it was Dave Butler. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he went on to work for... Well, many clubs, Crystal Palace, England, after Watford as well. Absolutely. We were talking about him and Brian Robson the other day, just if you, if you recall that, Justin. Do, another yeah. story, another story, another day. Tom Wally, of course, again, absolute legend in terms of the, the youth players that he brought through. And of course, you picked up that mantle, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Tell us a little bit about Tom, because of course, the number of players that he brought through and the character that he was and indeed is and the influence that he's had on the club going through. What was your experiences of him? Yeah, Tom was a you know a fantastic mentor to me, first and foremost, both, both in my playing career, but in my management career as well. You know, I finished playing, I think, 27 years old and went into coaching. And he, and he, he helped me just as much then at that next sort of stage than he did as a than he did as a, a youth coach when I was coming through as a kid, if you like. But yeah, he, he was a, first and foremost, he was a fantastic coach. You know, he could he, every every player at the club from you know, the best first team player, if you like, Lou Blissett or John Barnes, as they were then. You know, if you, if you had anything individually, you'd go to Tom. That's just where it was. He knew the game inside out. He knew how to say the right thing to the right person. And, and so he had a, a, a massive influence on, on everybody. He was a fantastic character, a fantastically positive character, and, and, and very funny as well. But um, he, he really was the life and soul of the place. In terms of you know working hard, uh, spotting a young player, developing and encouraging a young player, he was fantastic. And, and he had the, you know, the full backing of, obviously, Graham, Graham Taylor, which yeah. you know every youth coach needs, but Graham really did want to develop the youth. So you know, right the way through the club, Graham Taylor, Bertie, me, Elton John were, were right behind the project, right from the top, and and so that sort of empowered Tom. But but you know, on that detail, spotting a player, uh, encouraging him, uh, knocking him down when he needed to, you know, he did have that knack. To be honest with you, and and, and uh, a larger than life personality that 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 really sort of lit the place up. I love I love the facts, ladies and gentlemen, because this is audio, obviously, for everybody who's listening here. But when Kenny Jackett says Bertie Me and Elton John, he smiles. You, you would do. I mean, yeah. the fact that we just go, oh yeah, Bertie Me, double winning manager, Elton John, superhero. We just <laughs> yeah, of course it is. It's just what, but isn't it? We we forget how ridiculous this is for a football club. Brilliant stuff. And of course, uh, Tom Wally will be will be pleased to know. Of course, he did. Uh, you know, he he was basically the second best Welsh left footer at the club after <laughs> you joined. Obviously, <laughs> anyway. So I have to, I have to go back to this because I'm I, I'm I'm old enough to be to be in and around this time. You made your debut. 
away at Sunderland coming off the bench. Yeah. I remember it because I remember everybody looking at the scoreline and going, oh, God, because it was the penultimate game of the season. And the next day, this will age me, I went to Crusaders on St John's Road, not because I was particularly interested in anything, but Ian Bolton was turning up and doing part of the community thing. So I went along and got Ian Bolton's autograph. Wonderful. Forward wine six days from the Sunday to the Saturday. I'm in the rookery end as you make your date, your, your starting debut, shall we say, against yeah. Burnley. If, if I recall it, am I yeah, correct there? Along with, yeah. And along with Steve Terry, and you both kind of jumped in at that. All I can remember is the scoreline and the, the sort of view. It all becomes a haste. And I think we invaded the pitch at the end because, hey, why not? <laughs> what was your memories of the of those two games at the end of that season? Because, of course, you've been working for this for, you know, a, a good few years. You get your chance at that that point. How does it feel preparing you for the next for the next season yeah it was it was fantastic it, it, it did seem that when Graham Taylor came to the club and Elton John just before him they, they were really going to promote the youth they wanted high standards you know for 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 the club for, for everything and the youth department was was no different and if you like I was in the right place at the right time because you know we were then myself Steve Terry Nigel Callahan were like let's yeah. say the first generation of those of those lads coming through at sort of 18 I wasn't expecting it though it was the end of my my second year if you like and I wasn't expecting it I was I was delighted to be on the subs bench at uh, at Sunderland surprised really pleased and then you know when it <laughs> When he told me we were probably 20 minutes, half an hour to go where I was going on, I thought, wow, it was because it was a real fantastic atmosphere. So, yeah, yeah. back away from the fire, thrown in at the deep end, and then to follow up, as you said, to play, you know, at Vicarage Road the week after against Burnley was fantastic and, and gave me so much encouragement, gave so many of us so much encouragement at the end of that season. And, and you know, you could say, well, you know, what was on those games, if you like, and, and, and you know, for, for the club, it was developing at that particular time and going for it next year. But for us and for, for so many of, of, of the, the lads there, it, it gave us all a lot of encouragement. And, and you know, I, I, I was delighted to, to 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 make my debut. I feel that if I had a, you know a good summer, then and, and in terms of my work, you know, really worked yeah. hard, I, I could maybe establish myself the next year. And I and I think it's fair to say you did because your first season, which was which was two games long at the end, uh, obviously two games, eighty eighty one, you made fifty three appearances, which is I, I'd say that's that's going some way to having a reasonable season. Um, that these days that just doesn't happen. That number of games being played seems seems astonishing. But in your career, four times you played fifty or more games in a season. As somebody who's gone into obviously the coaching game and the understanding the modern playing, is that possible now with the athleticism and the current speed of the game? Or are they just kind of not built like they used to be? I think it is possible. But um, the, the bigger clubs do have the luxury of having the, the bigger squads and, and distributing the work, you know. Yeah. But sometimes I do feel, though, that, you know, the best sides, they, they you, you fall into a pattern of picking the, the same team all of the time and that, that side sort of can achieve and get on a roll as well. So, you know, there's an argument for that. But but I, I, do, I do think that um, it is possible now, definitely. Um, and, and if you're looking at, again, the very top of the game, what the, the top managers, the, the, the likes of Klopp, Guardiola have got is, is that their players are playing 12 months of the year. And mm-hmm. then you don't suddenly get then a seven-week break, which does rest your yeah. body enough. Yeah. You know, so if you look at, say, let's take maybe Harry Kane, for example, you know, he, he went right the way through in playing tournaments, summer tournaments at under 21 level. By the time yeah. he came out of that, he was then going into the England team, if you like. And, you know, it's, it's that's that's quite a hard situation to manage because he's 
been through sort of complete calendar years playing all of the time with very important games. And as I said, at under 21 and England level. So the demands on the on the very top players, I think, are slightly different. And I do think that they do need the rest. But for, for let's say, take the lads in the EFL, mm-hmm. there's not necessary international commitments, if you like. I think yeah. they can pretty much play for nine stroke, ten months flat out and, um, and and be able to sustain it. I do think that's possible. Super stuff, super stuff. For anybody who who doesn't know, you started in, in the team uh, in, in the left-back position but kind of moved into that midfield. And everybody remembers Wilf Rostron starting on the left and then moving back on uh, back into the left wing back, or left back, sorry, position, as you kind of moved across for him and John Barnes came in. In your youth days, were you left back and also central midfield? Or was that something new to you? And how do you remember that transition coming about? Because suddenly you went into becoming the engine room for literally the glory years of the 80s. How did that kind of come about? I was primarily a defender or a defensive player. But yeah. all the way through, and in the youth team as well, I would play left centre back, uh, left back, or let's say central midfield. That, that they were always in the three positions really, and that carried right. on into the first team. Whether it was a help or a hindrance, it certainly helped uh, me to play fifty-three games that season. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> you know? and, and, and you know that's that's a good thing. So yeah, I was always very very versatile in, t- in terms of being able to play different roles, and and you know did that right the way through and and uh, you know sometimes that can be a strength sometimes that can be a weakness but uh, through my youth days you know I was primarily a defender but but played in all three positions you know right the way through my career uh, I, I, it was um, slightly littered by knee injuries you know I had some knee injuries through and, and, and eventually yeah. that did catch up with me I was you know f- floating around 400 500 games and, and felt I could have played to 32 33 I'd have got to you know a good time you- there, maybe 600 something like that six seven hundred but but it, it wasn't necessarily to be. And, and you know, in, in a way, really, it, it, it sort of helped me finishing early. It did help me make my mind up to go into the coaching, which maybe got me some experience as well into my late 20s. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and I, I suppose you have to have that that kind of almost philosophical view of it in terms of going in and, and, and doing that sort of thing. But as you went into there, and I, I say you were kind of the engine there because throughout the 80s, because you partnered with, in the, in the middle, Les Taylor, Brian Talbot, Kevin Richardson, and who towards the end? Was Gary Porter in in and around, or was he... Yeah, he must have been in and around the central mid-area, because Barnsley yeah, was, was out on the left a lot of it. He was in and around the club, but really, really played just just maybe after myself, you know? But um, yeah, really good partnership with Les Taylor, definitely. Uh, um, when I needed to play at the back with Steve Sims, I, mm. I did quite often, and... and if if Wilfrap Rostrum wasn't really around, I play I would play left back. But you know, through probably you know the uh, the most successful seasons, I was a holding midfield player, as you'd call it. Yeah, and and you know that would be my role. We we had such quality in that centre of, of of the park, and it was it was a little bit for me like when we spoke to Ian Bolton, and the question was, you know, did we did, was it a bit frustrating that people didn't appreciate your passing range? Because if you put him in a Liverpool shirt, they'd be purring about him like they would about Alan Hansen. But because he was wearing yellow, it was very easy to. And of course, people said we circumvented the midfield, which simply didn't seem to be true because you got up and down and were competing toe to toe with the absolute best in the country and coming out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> in in a favourable position, did that did that ever irk you? Uh, you know, I understand what you're asking. Uh, it, it, you know, we had good players right the way through. Yeah. But also, as well though, we had some special players. You know, John, not being funny, John Barnes was a special player. 
You know, it wasn't just yeah. a good player. He was the best player in the country. And, and you know, we all knew you, you'd be there. You'd have seen him play for two or three years. Before. Oh. He was fantastic. He was an unbelievable player. But he didn't really get the national recognition until he went to Liverpool. Mm. And then, it, you know, God, people, he really did prove himself. But sort of, obviously, we knew. So, you know, John was a fantastic player. Uh, uh, Luther was, you know, not, not underselling him, if you like, but was top of the goal-scoring charts in the country mm. every year. He was playing for England. Callahan, in my opinion, was as good as those two. Uh, probably not as easy on the eye, but for again for a few years, he was every bit as good as those two, which is yeah. which is a big compliment. And then you could throw in maybe a Ross Jenkins, you know, who would complement those players. But those three forwards really were, in, in my opinion, were special players. And and then if you're going down to myself, Les Taylor. Wolf Roster and Ian Bolton, we were we were good players. We were we, we were you know we, we, we did the job, but but again, where it counted at the top end of the pitch, you know, we, we had some fantastic players. When when uh, Ross got injured and John Barnes threw mm. just just through an injury, he went from left wing to up front through it, the middle. We, yeah, we went on again. It was it was amazing, really, because at left wing they were just starting to work him out and double up on him and keep him at the line, John. You know, but when when he went through the middle with, with Luther, then the partnership was was, was fantastic, and the, and and you know it took the team on again. And also as well, I mean, you you see it, you, you do see it in, in modern football as well. When you've got the forwards that can win you the games and turn turn the games for you, it does encourage you when you're playing. You know, in a defensive role as well, to be honest with you. So you know we had that going for us. But all round, it, it was a you know that 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 early eighties side was a very good team with some, with some fantastic individuals in it. We mentioned there some players, including yourself, who've been adaptable and moved positions. And we also mentioned Will Froster moving. We saw David Bardley move from kind of right back into a into a right winger when when Nigel moved on to to Derby. He seemed to have that ability to do that. When you were then with him, he did the same thing to Mooney. Was that something he was he, he was just able to see that others couldn't? And did you have an appreciation of that when you jumped from the playing side to the management? and assistant side at that time yeah definitely he, he did have a vision to do it and, and most importantly he had the courage of his convictions to to try it <laughs> you know we can all see some things and you know yeah. but, but it's, it's another thing to be able to then go and do it but yeah he, you know in terms of Graham Taylor you know he, he came in really and stood the club on his head twice and the first time round, you know, we, we, we built and we had some very, you know, talk about Kevin Richardson. Kevin Richardson was an excellent player. We had some very, very good players. John McClelland right the way through, Tony mm. Coton, mm. et cetera, et cetera, you know. So he, Morris Johnson, you know, he brought some fantastic players through that first period. But in terms of Graham, yeah, he had, he had an ability, as you as you said, with Will Froster and with, 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 with Tommy Mooney to suddenly, you know, that was in obviously Graham's second spell. But, you know, Graham yeah. then just went to a back three and put Tommy left of a back three. The, and it's amazing. He just said, "Look, he's got a lovely left foot. He'll keep getting spare at left, uh, you know, left centre half." That's all he said to me. Yeah, we'll put him left centre half of a back three. He'll keep getting spare. He's got a lovely left foot, and you, you watch the distribution we get going forward off that. Yeah, and I know it sounds very simple, but it actually worked exactly. Oh, well. that was it. You know, and and the thing is with Tom as well, he was so wholehearted. He, he, he gave it a go and, and and backed it as well. But you, you're right in terms of Graham, he could he could spot that. He could he could explain very very simply to you know us us as coaches, if you like, at the time or, or players, what he was doing, why he was doing it, and why it was going to work. And generally, <laughs> we. We, we knew he'd be right. <laughs> we, we were talking to is, Tommy. You know, there's so many times where, you know, there's videos back in them days when I was assistant to him, and there were so yeah. many times where, you know, I'd be sitting and he'd say, oh, no, no, no. He showed him that way, and he should have showed him the other side, and he let him go inside, and he shouldn't have, should have blocked that one early and forced him that way. 
And I'm thinking, wow. And then I go home and I put the video on about seven times and I rewind it. And I, <laughs> and I realize, oh, yeah, he's right. Yes. <laughs> you can see it instantly, very, very quickly. You know, he had instant yeah. of it. And I'll, and I'll be playing the video and I think, yeah, well, why, why, why I know he's right. You know, that would be it. So, so some really good moves. And, and as you said, Robert Rostrand and Mooney were, you know, were, were, were two sort of classic Graham ones, really, that worked really well in different different eras. Yeah. But really, you know, were key moves in just then finding the winning formula that went again. Football is back, and BetMGM is inviting new customers to join the huddle and enjoy the action like never before. Sign up today using bonus code CHAMPION, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Well, we, we were talking to Tommy about a month or so ago and he was selling us through. I think it was Les Simmons's testimonial against Arsenal. And he kind of, he said that the Graham said, uh, oh, and we're going to put, uh, and Moody, you go to left side centre back. And he's like, what? Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to spin it on him. Wonderful. I enjoyed that a lot. I think it was the final game of the first season in the top flight when we played Liverpool. I'm pretty sure it is. The, the programme cover had people like Derek Williams, who was in the England under 21 side at the time, Nigel Callahan as well, Luther, John, and yourself, obviously, all resplendent in your respective international kits. You obviously became part of the Wales side there. How, how did you take to that? Is, is the connection through your dad's side? I think he was born in Wales, was was he not? Or is it both parents who are, are, yeah, are both, both parents you... are from Swansea. So um, both parents are from Swansea. They moved to Watford to, to sign for Watford, but maybe sort of first married, maybe 21, 22, something like that, and, yeah. and then didn't go back. And, and lived in Watford and obviously had their family there. So, yeah, both came born and bred in Swansea. And, and yeah, the reason that they came to Watford was to was to take the contract with the club and, and then obviously, you know, stay there for life. That was, that was where it was. So both, both my parents or my grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, were well. So, you know, it was very much something that um, I, I wanted to do. I wanted to take the opportunity. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm proud to say I've got 31 caps again. You know, if I could have played longer, I would have loved to have been able to add to that. But, you know, I, I'm proud to have, have represented the country, definitely, yeah. And that, that was in the days of the the old kind of home internationals as well. So at the end of the season, you'd have the FA Cup and then you'd have the kind of round robin against the, the home nations. And I remember seeing you playing at Wembley, you know, against, against England uh, a, a couple of times, having, having kind of like just, just felt generally strange. Why is Kenny playing for the other team anyway never mind um how did you find going to the going to the wales camp how did you take to international football did that help you when you got through to the european campaign in 84 take us through that how that yeah, felt. definitely broadens you you know 100 you know i've still got the, the the shirts now you know which is fantastic really and and you, you know you look in the, the teams you played against and the big games that you know we the big games against Spain, you know, where, where we we beaten three 0 at Wrexham, and you know things, yeah. you know those, those type of things really played with some really good players. I was playing left back, but there was a left centre back called Kevin Ratcliffe. Oh, he yes. was a fantastic player. Played for Everton, you know, who was a competitor yeah. of, of of ours at the time. But you know, yeah. what, what a left centre half he was. Neville Southall was in goal, <laughs> and with you know we half a decent team. Ian Rush and Mark Hughes, yeah. you know, was a good partnership up front. So these you know, are some, some names, yeah. Around them, to be yeah. fair, and, you know, it's hard to 
qualify for the World Cups, and we were unlucky on a couple of occasions. But but yeah, it, it broadened it, you know, broadened my knowledge massively. And and to go and play in the stadiums against the big sides, you know, I can remember mm. playing again one of my one of my latter games playing against a, a very young Rude Hullet. Yeah. <laughs> It was too quick for me, definitely. Luke, for it, was, it was too quick for everyone. <laughs> Kick him a few times, I'm sure. I would have. <laughs> Before we got to Europe, of course, we we finished runners up. You know that that at that game against Liverpool, that season was obviously just off the chart. And what what are your recollections of kind of getting to the top tier and you know get, getting to runners up was just it beggars belief. Genuinely, what what are your kind of recollections of that of that season? Yeah, it was a it was a fantastic season. We did feel like we we had the blend right on the field. On the field. As I said yeah. earlier, you know we could work hard enough because we knew we had the forwards that could win us games. You know we had mm. the forwards that got, could really take people on them and, and and very much you know the, the, the system was designed because we had such good forwards we had four out now forwards playing really and and and, and we worked hard to carry it and, and and once or twice when it didn't quite work we, we were on the, the end of some hidings as well you know where we had maybe too many forwards on the pitch but overall obviously it worked for us uh, we, we all believed in it and and you know we did have that that quality at the top end of the pitch that that, that took us right the way up there and and anyway as a player myself in every single game I, I did feel we could win at that period I think we could beat anybody and that's just talking about you know us on the pitch if you like but yeah, yeah. the bigger picture of the club there was a, a real feel good factor it was you know it was a, it was a club on the way up um, talked earlier about let's say Elton John Graham Taylor you know p- people like that got me around but mm. you know Elton John was there all of the time he went to most of the games he, he came to the training ground you know he was he, he was he was around a lot you know so it was really being driven on by these guys at the top by their involvement and, and you know it produced let's say such a feel-good factor around it but actually on the pitch I did feel we had the players to deliver and and, and in terms of that period then you know we, we we could go toe-to-toe you know talk about Everton or whatever some fantastic games against them you know where 5-4 and things like that we, we felt we could go toe-to-toe with people and outscore them yeah well the, the Southampton 7-1 game which we just skirted past for example and indeed the the, the one that we talked to Andrew French about the the result fixture when we beat Nottingham Forest who I think were European they were either European champions twice European champions are on their way to it beating them 4-1 at our place in in absolutely pissing down with rain if I recall that day um you know, but you did. You you went. Oh yeah, the European Cup. We're going to go and give them a go, which is great. That was amazing stuff. We move on the following year. Obviously, there is the there is the FA Cup final. But before that, there is the European run. We haven't bought in. I think we either hadn't bought in, or it was injury George Riley and Mo Johnson to replace the Milan bound Luther and the wonderful Ross Jenkins. I can't believe you said that, and I didn't bow down at the time. He was absolutely my god in the early eighties. We didn't have George Riley and Morris Johnson, so Jimmy Gilligan, Ian Richardson, Charlie. Palmer, C. Terry, the whole lot of, of what we were talking about in terms of Tom Wally's work from the last decade 
picked up so much of the the work in Europe and did us so proud. What are, what are your recollections of, of travelling in Europe? Because I think you played all bar one of the games, if I if I remember rightly. Yeah, that's it. I did, and, and it was a fantastic experience. We we took the same positivity that we had, uh, and again, we we did have. Good, good players. If you're looking at a conveyor belt of of central forwards coming through, you know Jimmy, uh, Ian Richardson, uh, um, you know then then sort of even later on from although Tom had moved on, you know still these lads are you know you and Roberts, Malcolm Allen, you know yeah. centre forwards that were sort of homegrown by us and pulled in from you know all, all, all parts of the UK really to to sign for Watford, which was which was a you know fantastic achievement by by Tom to sign those players, but that actual Euro- European one. It, it, it was different. We we took players by surprise. European football then, and still is now to a degree, is is very cagey. You know, it's it's very tactical. Um, nobody gives up their shape very easily. It's hard to get behind people. So you know, we had a bit of momentum going, and and, and we took it into that. And, and you know, we're we're, we're proud of, of what we did that year actually, because as you oh, said, oh. it was quite a disrupted side. So it took the pressure off us to a degree, but um, but but also as well, we're very proud of what we achieved that year because. You know, we took some big scouts in Europe. Definitely did. And thinking about it, you're quite right. Malcolm Allen, Ewan Roberts, the M4 was doing a lot of heavy lifting in those days. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. A lot a lot was coming in from from the principality there. You know, even when I took over a little bit later, but when I took over as 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 youth coach, you know, Paige was Yeah, Pagey, yeah. Ah, Yeah. And and you know, and driving, you know, driving up from South Wales every Sunday to play, you know, and, and join Watford, if you like, again, although I inherited him. Tom originally had, had scouted him and brought him, brought him to Watford, you know, and, and convinced his father that that was a, the right place for him to start his career. So, mm. you know, it was it was a conveyor belt, but but they came from you know far and wide. As you, you mentioned, Gary Porter before us saw, saw him a few weeks ago, and he's saying you know such a such a good feeling about Watford at that time. He actually you know as a as a local lad as well turned Sunderland down, come and sign for Watford, you know, and and and, and it, it does show that the quality of the people that we had at the top and and <laughs> how convincing they were. In their, in, in their argument. <laughs> yeah, definitely came all this way. I was going to go there in terms of the, the Welsh connection. We're talking about the import. They're, they're, they're still with that now. How does it make you feel, but from the youth development side, which, is, which isn't just about developing the players technically, it's also developing them as human beings and people. How does that make you feel in terms of obviously one, Wales qualifying, but also seeing Rob Page doing what he's doing as he has done, how what vicarious pleasure do you take from that, sir? Yeah, he's he's, he's you know done us all proud, hasn't he? At Watford, you know, we're all de- delighted with him. He's, he was he was captain young at Watford. He was you know twenty one years old, um, led a promotion side, which is which is you know a, 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 a big thing to do at a young age. But he deserved it. He was you know he was a leader at, at a at a young age. Took the responsibility on, and I, I felt I was res- I, I felt Rob always thrived on responsibility. And the more he had, the better he was. And 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 it's just been proved, you know, with the situation with sort of Ryan Giggs over the last couple of seasons isn't necessarily ideal. And and he's you know transitioned into that job, if you like, I think very very well. And as he's as he's then got more and more responsibility in the Wales setup, you know, so so he and they have responded, and and you know we'll all be following in in, in the World Cup upcoming now. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was again at his debut away at Birmingham. Uh, all I can say is Paul Precious Alondo, whatever your name is, yeah, you yeah, still yeah. you still dived, um, <laughs> and I can't look at a poster of Danny Wallace ever. Anyway, enough of that. <laughs> enough of my enough of my bitterness. <laughs> In fairness, in fairness, Kenny, most of this podcast is my bitterness just kind of multiple. 
multiplied by, <laughs> by some technology. Um, yeah, no, that, that that was superb. So we've had an amazing career in Watford. GT moves on to challenge himself as a as a as a, as a manager at, at Villa, and obviously moves on to Watford. And Why you're still obviously the stuff that happened with Bassett. We know we'll, we'll, we'll let's not let's not go into that. Let's not bring everybody down. Steve Harrison returned, who was again somebody who had been within the fold within the team. Another another left back, and 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 didn't seem to quite fit into the mould of the first team manager, but was an exceptional coach from reputation and a, and a, and a really funny guy. Any, any kind of memories of him before we, we have a look at some of the thoughts and memories of GT? Yeah, massive. Um, you know, Steve was somebody I still speak to regularly now and if you're looking at his career sort of beyond Watford, you know, Crystal Palace and, and, and Middlesbrough and England with Graham, you know, he's had a fantastic coaching career and rightly so. His, 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 you know, his coaching ability was was very very high. We the year that he, that he I think he had two years as manager. His, his period as manager, we got into the playoffs. Yeah, and we lost those playoffs to Blackburn to come that back like up to the you know to the prem. So you know as a manager, you, there's a, there's a certain timing to it if you like, and we needed to win those playoffs to get him the next amount of time, maybe get him to sign the next crop of players if you like, and get back into the top division. We I think it was two draws and lost on away goals. Yeah, was it? Blackburn, you know, so so a really tight one, and, and unfortunately the playoffs didn't go our way. So you know, for, for for Steve, really, those those things can define you as a manager, definitely in terms of getting time. But um, he, he's a fantastic coach, a, a fantastic man, and you know, you listen to different, let's say, podcasts or or different views right around the country, and the people that have come across him, you know, nobody would have a, a, a bad word to say about him, but. As, as well as all of his humour and, and, and his and his antics, if you like, you know, um, um, he was a he was a terrific coach. And, and when it was time to work, he, he, he could demand work out of people. He was very good at that, you know. And and, and players responded to him because of it. But just before we kind of move on from that GT era and 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 towards the end of your career, and what, what are your are there any particular memories of GT as a manager when you were a player? So almost anything that you took as a as a becoming a manager yourself that you kind of hark back to when you were a player from GT as a memory? I tried to take his, his thoroughness because he was so thorough. He was always forward thinking. Um, and, you know, when, when I was a player, he always would, would look into new and different ideas, look into not necessarily use them all. You know, yeah. he'd use some, he'd discard, he'd, others he'd keep, you know, all the technology now that is there, all the stats, all the data that is there now, he'd be a wizard at those things, you know, and he, and he, and he could, um, do, do you know what XG is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So expected XG, goals, yeah. I mean, he was yeah. doing XG in the 80s. Oh, wow. He was, he was, and it was his own version of it. But so I'm looking at it now and think, Christ, that's what we did in the 80s. Wow. We do it every Wednesday. And yeah, he do it every Wednesday and he'd go on the board and it, we'd be there till four o'clock sometimes. And it, but it would be <laughs> stat after stat and after stat after stat on how many shots you had, how many crosses, how many, you know, and, and, and it's basically, it's just XG now. That's mm. what it is. Somebody's marketed it, put it, you know, put it, on, put it on Zoom or something, and made millions. <laughs> but seriously, he was doing XG. It was XG. That's what it was, you know. So he's expected goals, and and it, and he was he was very very good at it. So let's say you're on a, a, a losing run, or let's say you're drawing three games out of five or something like that. He would yeah. basically say, look, just keep doing what you're doing. Now the next five you play exactly the same. You'll win three or four of those. Right. Or similarly, the other way, you know, we could have maybe won three out of five and think we're mm, be st- st- lad steady. You know, you have to be steady. You're gonna have to do better. You know, yeah. you want to win three out of the next five games. You're gonna have to be steady now. So he, he, he was he was he was doing that in the eighties. The XG stuff. He really was. And, and wow. XG and more. You know, Amazing. about about everything. Um, uh, 
there was a guy called Ron Pickering. I don't know if you remember him. He was like a, yeah. you know, on, on the athletics. If he's yeah. the biggest athletics man around. Well, as soon as he came up, well, he was in at Watford and he was talking through the weight room, you know, what, what, what's, what's the reps? What should you do on this? What about this machine? What about that? You know, he designed. So that, that, that would be grand. Does that make sense? It would be sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. every single area, every single thing. And, but he had the capacity to like understand it and then almost put it into layman's terms as well, you know, because you can, you can get bogged down with. Lots and lots, yeah. but he had a, a, an amazing ability to work and, and could then sort of work through these things very, very quickly and, and, and be able to put them into, let's say, layman's terms or footballer's terms. Yeah. So, so, you know, in terms of Graham, he had a work ethic about him, but he had such a quick brain, it was unbelievable. And, and you know, from being a player, then having a, a, a Spellers youth team coach where he wasn't there and then him yeah. coming back and then sitting next to him, if you like, in the dugout, you know, mm. that was it. And, and you know, it, it, he could see things. And like I said, his his recall was fantastic. You know, it was absolutely, he, he could come into a meeting, into a meeting room and then tell you after about every single person in there and, you know, every twitch. And, and you know, a month later, you think, Cole, he was right. He told me, you know, he was going to go a bit wonky about a month ago. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? It's just, he, yeah, you know, yeah, he had, yeah. he had, a, he had a, an, an ability, really, if you like, you know. But, wow. You know, what did I take? Tried to take his thoroughness, tried to take his, his thoroughness and his observation. His observation was unbelievable, you know. It really yeah. was. You know, he was. So tried to take those things. But but having said that, it was very hard to replicate it because, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a, 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 a one-off. I actually think in terms of the second time he came back, he did great the first time, but he did better the second time because no disrespect to those lads, but, you know, we had okay, we had average players, you know, really. Yeah, yeah. We got two promotions with some great lads, mm, you know. Mm. There wasn't a John Barnes in that group. No. You know, necessarily. So, you know, the second time he got, he come through and, and, and two promotions in two years and it did catch up with us in the Prem. Yeah. But, no, that, that's... You know, the second time was a fantastic achievement because if you're looking at the lads, you know, they're fantastic lads, fantastic characters. You know, but um, you know, the first time we we had we had real special players. I promise you. You know, that was that mm. that, that was it. But you know, his his actual achievements at Watford, where he just clicked. You know, he did he he sort of clicked, and it, it worked for him at Watford. Whether that was you know he. He loved Cashbury Park. He loved walking around. He, you know, loved the whole the whole part of it. Yeah, did, yeah. Setting up the, the family enclosure, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. You know, he loved he loved that side of it as well. Doing you know, doing the, the non football side, if you like, and yeah. see why that took it. But you know, tw- twice he he, he he had a a massive massive influence on the club, and 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 for myself, privileged to be part of it, really. Before you then were, like, as you say, sitting next to him once he returned to the club. But your your period with the youth team and the development, was that a massive learning curve? Had you already prepared for kind of thinking about going into coaching already at that particular point? Or did you have to get your badges in short order? Because I think you were youth team coach from about 91 and your last game was in 1990, I think it was. So that was quite a quick transition, as you kind of mentioned earlier on. Yeah, I, I was um, fully qualified by the time I was 24. I always wanted to go into coaching you know there was sort of two two levels and two sort of pathways you could go through and I'd, I'd basically completed all of them by the time I was 24 I, I just thought my upbringing with my dad and going to watch yeah. football and analyzing it and I remember you know as a left back going to watch Kenny Sanson play the things like that you know watching what's what's what he does what's Brian Robson what's Glenn Hoddle you know watching what's what he does what's what he brings etc etc you know players at my position or positions if you like you know so yeah. I suppose I had that 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 background that there was an, an analytical side to, to it, but but anyway, I was I was interested in coaching. Was down into the uh, into into the academy with Tom quite a lot. 
with yeah. the nines and the tens, you know, uh, uh, you know, as uh, as you are maybe in your early twenties. And and yeah, I was fully qualified by the time I was twenty four. So when when the injury did come, you know, it, it it wasn't something I was necessarily planning. But uh, you know, I was, I was I was very lucky to be qualified at the at the time. That you know, it was a different club by the time I I finished. Yeah, you know, it was. It just. It just was. It was a different club. You know, we we we'd had fantastic players. You know, we'd had training ground, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. At that point, the club were. You know, we were driving around looking for a training pitch at that particular time. That's where it was. Um, but having said that, the youth policy was still flourishing. There was still mm-hmm. a lot of interest in it. You know, there were some good, really good people. You know, people like Dennis Gibbs, who Nigel's dad were, were still there, you know, and probably looking at me as if there's some expert, thinks he knows everything at 27, if you like, you know. But there was some, some a guy called Brent Hills was a very good coach as well. So there's some very oh, good yes. people that yes. have been there for, for a long time. And, and, and you know, so for myself starting, it was a right place, right time, definitely. Uh, you know, I was qualified, but um, it, it, it let me get over, the, let's say, the disappointment of, of finishing playing because... I could find myself straight into the next chapter. Sports Social Podcast Network. If you take CBD, listen up. Next Evo Naturals is the only CBD brand clinically proven to have 30 times faster absorption in the first 30 minutes. That's important because you can only get the benefits of CBD if your body can absorb it. Get smarter CBD from Next Evo Naturals. Go to nextevo.com and get a trial size of premium pure CBD gummies for free by adding them to any order of $40 or more and using code GUMMY15. That's N-E-X-T-E-V-O.com, promo code GUMMY15. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.